Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. For those of you visiting, I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors here with my wife, Ashley, you saw before. Um, We are going for a series at the moment talking about our beliefs, our values, who we are. Don't worry, Angie, you don't need to bow to me. It's okay. Um, And and we've been working through this series alongside with um, Chloe. I don't know if you know this, but Chloe has a series on TBN UK called I Believe. And so series one went through a load of our values in I Believe statements. And so we've been working through that. And what we've been doing is we have a preach every single week around that episode title, which is going to be an individual's revelation to add to the journey that Chloe's already doing. And so we encourage you guys to watch the TBN series alongside these preachers, um, listen to the preachers. Also, there's an amazing devotional team that is led by Sally, and they bring out devotionals alongside the preachers every week, because this stuff for us is foundational to who we are as a church. If you want to know what it is to be a member of Catch the Fire London, it is to walk in these values. And so for us, it's really important that when we say, I believe in today, it's in choosing life, that this isn't just a nice message, but this is a fundamental to who we are. And actually, I'd argue today's one in choosing life is a day-to-day, minute-by-minute dynamic that we have to live our lives in, okay? And so we're going to talk about choosing life. It's really really silly, but I've all morning been having going around my head that bit from Charles where Yoda says... Hate leads to suffering. Well, what does he say? He says, anger leads to hate. I'm looking at Michael like you're a Star Wars expert. I don't think you are. He says, anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. And, and I want to look at the difference between blessings and curses, life and death this morning. And, and this has been going around through my, through my head is actually when we el- exist in a place where we entertain things like anger in our hearts, then it's not a hard step like Yoda wisely taught us. Although those of you into theology will have heard of the other Yoda, John Howard Yoda, a German theologian. Do you know that? Very good apologetics guy, but he's not the same green little weird guy. Um, But I'm talking about the green little weird guy. He says, anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. And, and, and that's kind of like a premise for today, actually. Sometimes it's very easy for us to go down the slippery slope of stepping into curses without realizing it. And so we're going to read first, we're going to read a lot of scripture today, but the first one is from Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. If you want any wisdom, I've started referring to Timmy as our church's in-house Yoda. And so if you want any, like, singular phrases versus wisdom for your life beyond the preaching, just come and talk to this guy. He is, he, and he doesn't speak as confusingly as Yoda does, but... Okay, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, in the New King James says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. And, you know, if you've ever heard Stu preaching, he used to preach about this a lot, where he'd talk about how, like, he really wished there was a little angel that would appear in his life all the time, being like, life and death, life or death, to kind of remind him to make good choices. But this, this verse is fascinating to me because start off, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. So it's not even just that there's these choices of blessings and curses and life and death, but it's there's a witness of heaven and earth observing you, your behavior, your choices. I call heaven and earth against you today to witness because I have given you a choice. You can choose between blessings and curses. You can choose between life and death just in case you didn't realize which the way to do it was, choose life. Why? 
so that both you and your descendants may live. And so this is massive. So first things first, we've got to think about is our behavior, our lifestyle, the way we live is held account by heaven and earth. Have you ever noticed that? How, you know, often the church gets itself into a real knot because the world is looking at the way the church behaves. And society is often the very first one to call out the church for being hypocritical, for being at odds with each other, for being not a good representation of love. You know, I don't think the world struggles to understand what love looks like. What the world struggles to understand sometimes is when the church says we follow a God who is love and yet fail to represent it fairly to the world. And so I think sometimes the bigger hurdle for people to enter into a relationship with Jesus isn't that Jesus isn't loving enough, it's that his followers don't seem to represent that very well. We'll get onto that in a minute. So therefore choose life. That sounds super easy, doesn't it? Blessings, curses, life and death, choose life. And if we had that dynamic in our heads every day, with every choice, every minute, every hour, everything we said, thought, reacted as that was this very clear pathway of choose life, choose death. I think we'd make really good decisions all the time because we'd always go, choose life, obviously. Unless, you know, you're just a really confused person, choose death. But we'd choose life. It'd be really stark and obvious to us. But unfortunately, life isn't always that simple. Let's go on to verse 20. Now, I'm reading from the NIV now, and it says this, and that you may love the Lord your God Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. So if God's wanting us to choose blessing and not curses, life and not death, choose life so that you and your family will live, what does living look like? Well, it tells us here that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. So what does life look like? It doesn't just look like the product, which is blessing. It looks like holding fast to God. So the first thing we see here is that when we're walking a journey and wanting to say, I want to choose blessings, I want to choose life, step one, listen to God's voice. Step two, hold fast to him. What does that mean? Hold fast to, obey, follow, keep him close to you. Let him pull, almost on some, some levels, let him pull you through life. I was playing a game the other day with Ilo and Caleb where I was getting to hold on to my ankles and I was walking and they were getting dragged along. And actually, I think that's what hold fast to me sounds like, right? If you want a little picture in your head, what does it look like holding fast to God? Hold on to his ankles and let him drag you along. If you haven't got the strength to walk behind him, just get that happening so you're going in the right direction. We need to hold fast onto him. Because it says, for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who wants to live a long life? Okay, let me ask this question. Do you want a long fruitful life or a long hard life? Fruitful life, right? I think sometimes we just go to, I want to live a long life. And we forget to add the next bit, which is, I want to live a long fruitful life. And in that, we need to be obedient to him. Next verse, we're going to jump into Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to kind of pull from most of this. But basically, we find in Deuteronomy 28 this fascinating dynamic where you've got a whole section that's called Blessings for Obedience. And you've got an even bigger section, which is pretty tiring to read, for, of blessings and um, curses for disobedience. And it lays out really stark. We're going to start with blessings for obedience. It says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. 
All these blessings will come on you and you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you, not by you, before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of your Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. I want to go back to what I was saying before about this the world looks at us and sometimes laughs. And I think this is where we get really, really simple, very black and white. It's the difference between obedience and disobedience of God. Because you see, when we're obedient to God, we'll see all these blessings paramount in our lives. But when we're disobedient to God, we will see curses in our lives. Why is God cursing you? No. But what happens when you're not in blessing? You're in curses. When you're not in blessing, when you're not in the kingdom of God, when you're not under his will, but under your will or under the will of another, that's not a good place to be in. And the world will look at you and fear you. Now, we talked about fear of the Lord, and I don't think it means the world is going to look at you and run away scared. But the world will look at you in awe at what the Lord is doing through you. And will be drawn to you by the extravagance of God's will in your life. I've told you this testimony before when we were having staff prayer time and somebody literally stopped outside the front door, something's brewing, manifested, looked really confused and then carried on walking. The presence of the Lord was moving so much that the ungodliness within them was conflicted in that moment. I love revival history and you hear stories of like, you know, John Wesley walking down the street and people falling to their knees in repentance because of the atmosphere of holiness that was upon him. That looks like the world fearing you hear of people like Latimer and Ridley who were burnt at the stake for their beliefs in the Holy Spirit. And people recalled the peace that was upon them in awe as they burnt to their death. You talk about stories like Stephen when he was stoned to death, it says that he fell asleep. That's got to be an awesome and fearsome thing to see that. There's a story of a, of a salvationist, an early Salvation Army officer right in the early days of when it was kicking off. And he was walking down a street in Wales and he'd been preaching on the street corner and the local guys in the pub came out to start taunting him and they were drunk and they were aggressive and they're taunting at him and he stops them and looks at them and, sa- and just rebukes the drunkenness in Jesus' name. They all go sober and fall to their knees in repentance under the power of God and the fire of God falls to the point that people believe that they're on fire and they get their lives changed in a moment. It says that everyone in that pub were in awe and in fear of the Lord. When people encounter you, do they fear you or do they fear the Lord? The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground. In the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. 
The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the works of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none, and the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of your Lord, your God, that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any commands that I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord, your God, and do not carefully follow his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And now you can read on in your own time because it's quite a strong convincing that you want to be in blessings. There's about another six paragraphs there of curses. And I don't want to go down that route today because I don't want to just make you feel battered in this moment. But I want to encourage you and call you higher. In the inside of my wedding ring, we had um, a moment with the Holy Spirit before we got married where I just, I suddenly had this vision. It was a completion to another vision. I actually had, in 2006, I was in Canada on my gap year, and I was praying. We built a prayer basement in this. It was, it was mad. My gap year was crazy. We were in basically six guys in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan in a ranching town of 800 people. Like, um, and we just come together to learn about Jesus for a year and be raised up in that. And we discovered the house we were living in had this old water tank underground um, that wasn't being used. And so we cut a hole with jackhammers into it through this crazy concrete and then just basically threw some beanbags in and made it like our prayer pit. And you could only get out with a rope ladder, which was quite challenging at times. But anyway, I was like 2 a.m. and I was in the prayer pit in just this kind of crazy silence you can only get when you're underground. And lying on my face, and I was, God took me through this vision where I actually saw my wedding day and I saw my, my bride sit next to me. And, and I forgot about that vision. I journaled about it until a week before me and Ashley got married. We were having a staff retreat. And I was, the Lord told me to open up one of my old prayer journals that I happened to have with me. And in there, I'd drawn a picture of what I'd seen in this vision. And everything, every detail other than her face, God had revealed to me. And then, and I was praying for it, and the Lord said, Dan, you need to know that in this moment, I'm making you the head and not the tail, and gave me the verse in Deuteronomy. And so I, I just felt really strongly, and Ashley did as well, to get that engraved on the inside of my ring. Now, the day before our wedding, we get, went to get the engraving done, and I was there with Dan Graham, who some of you know, who's, who was one of my best men. And Dan was very wise, because he was like, have you got the Bible verse? Have you written it correctly so it's spelled correctly by the engraver? And I was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's Deuteronomy 28. And then I think I put, like, I think it was like verse 22 or something like that, which he double-checked. And that's in the wrong section. It was the wrong verse. And it's very important you double-check this kind of stuff, because that verse says, you will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. <laughs> and so fact-check, people. That's important. Whereas actually what I felt the Lord said to me was, get engraved, I'm making you the head and not the tail. And then um, we got our wedding photos back. And one of our photos, we've actually got it in our lounge at home. We stood side, side by side, so me here, Ashley here, in an archway to the church. And, and the Lord took me back to that drawing I'd done of our wedding day. And the archway is interesting because it's, it's got it's four levels of arch going backwards. In my drawing, I'd drawn four levels of arch going backwards. Ashley's wedding dress was, I now understand these words. At the time, I was ignorant, ladies, so forgive me. But it, apparently, it was a princess dress with a sweetheart cut. I don't know if that's a thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that's what I'd drawn in the picture. Even the way her hair was done, even the way her veil was done, the only detail God had given me was, was her face. But there was just this moment of God saying, I'm making you the head and not the tail. This is a season of abundance and blessing for you. And then took me back to this chapter and just reading through all this truth and this stuff. And I was like, God, you, you met me in 2006 underground in this pit releasing a vision to me to encourage me about blessing that's going to come. And it says in this verse that he will bring rain in season. 
in your life. And I think sometimes we, we love in our charismaticness to be like, we're in season all the time, the rain's all the time. Da, da, da. And I was talking to someone the other day about the fact that, you know, some seasons we're called to sow seed. Some season we're not even called to sow the seed, we're called to plow the ground. Some seasons we're called to reap a harvest. Some seasons we're called to wait for the rain. Some season we're called to chase off the crows before they're trying to eat the seed. I think some of us think that we're meant to do all of those things. And actually, sometimes we allow room for a curse of disappointment to come in our lives. Because we're like, God, I worked the ground and I sowed the seeds and I want to reap the harvest. And I'm gonna, I've been pouring out my tears as rain upon the ground. And God's like, I send the rain. And did I tell you to sow the seed? Did I tell you that you were reaping the harvest here? And we need to understand that in season, the rain will come. And that's the blessing. And so the first thing I want to say to you guys is you may be listening to this right now and being like, man, I don't feel very blessed right now. Maybe I'm being disobedient to God. Possibly. Is it possible that you're also misdefining the season that you're in? And actually we're defining things like waiting as a curse or we're defining the actions as others as a curse against us rather than recognizing that we don't need to fight that battle because it says here that he will win the battle for you and scatter them in seven directions. Maybe we just need a perspective shift to realize that actually we need to just simply choose life. He then says, I will make you live a long life. I will pour out my abundance upon you. I will fill your barn. I will give your livestock babies upon babies. I will make you great. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I will never let you be the bottom again. And then we're going over here. We're like, but God, I'm at the bottom. And he's like, no, you're not. You're defining yourself as at the bottom. Whose voice has got more authority in your life? God's or the ones who would come against you? You know, it's really hard to be in an atmosphere of battle when you're not allowed to engage. There's an amazing movie, which is a little bit on the re- real side of war. So if you're someone who struggles with that, don't watch it. But there's an amazing movie about a guy called Desmond Dawes, something Dawes, who was... Desmond Dawes, yeah, Tanya's nodding. Um, who was a seven Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist conscientious objector to the war in America. But in his conscientious objection, his conviction was to not carry a weapon. It wasn't to not go to war. And it's a true story. And this young man, he went through just horrendous circumstances of going through training for battle, going through boot camp, all these things, but refusing to pick up a weapon at any point. And he would literally go into the battlefield with his generals refusing to let him go, cussing him, pulling him down, telling him he was worthless and a coward and all this kind of stuff. But he wanted to bring love and God to the battlefield. And Mel Gibson produced it, so you can imagine that it's maybe a little bit more on the flamboyant side of the reality of war. But there's this incredible thing happens where, and it's a true story, where he gets in this moment just saying, his prayer is just one more, Lord. And they're in... In the South Pacific, Pacific, battling the Japanese on these islands that have been prepared for war in a way that you, like, just crazy levels of defense. And he's going into no man's land when all the other people have withdrawn, under enemy fire, under sniper shot, going just to rescue one guy after another. I think it's something like 35 men in one day on his own without anyone helping because nobody else would go into that area because it was too dangerous. Dragging people out of the trenches. Just one more, Lord. He'd finish it. And he'd be like, just one more, Lord. And 
And, and this, this atmosphere really spoke to me of just this idea that actually we, we think we're going into battle with the big guns. And we think we're going in, we're like, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got God on my side. That means I've got these weapons and I'm going to do it and I'm going to overcome and it's going to be easy and it's going to be straightforward. But, you know, God's saying to us, I will fight this battle for you, which means we have to be in a position of facing our enemies feeling like we're completely unarmed. And yet he says, I've put the armor of my, of my kingdom upon you. He said, I've not asked you to step back, but to stand in the day of battle. And when you stand, he shows up. It says that he will assign his angels concerning you to lift you up so your foot will not strike upon a stone, but you'll trample the heads of lions and serpents. The 10,000 may fall at your right and 1,000 at your left, but you will stand. I think sometimes we think our job is to battle. I don't think that's so. I think our job is to stand and know that he is God. That changes the idea of the first be still and know that he is God. Yes, it's a thing of intimacy. Yes, it's a thing of the secret place. But also, is it possible that it's in the face of adversity, I'm going to stand and know that he is God? I had someone phone me yesterday who is on a holiday with friends that they've been doing like for as long as they can remember. And in the last year, well, in the last two years, been the last year, really, they've become a Christian and started to walk with a real conviction of faith. And, and it's the first time they've gone on that holiday and it's been any sort of moment of conflict, conflict on it. And, and their friend, um, who has a um, different sexual preference to what she has, um, was talking to her about it. And she basically was like, look, I really love you. I don't agree with your choice, but I really love you. And she phoned me and Ashley in tears, being like, I don't understand. Like, I'm being ostracized. I'm being told that I'm this, I'm that. I'm, it's awkward. It's difficult. I don't want to go home. I love these people. But I'm being rejected. Da, da, da. And I was like, have you been unloving? She was like, no. Have you given it to Jesus? Yeah. I was like, so you've got to stand. Taking a stand doesn't mean you're going to beat them up with your opinion. God's judge. Taking a stand is that I'm not going to run away in fear because of the thing that's being presented against me, but I'm going to stand in the truth and the love of who I know I am. Unshaken. Come on. I think sometimes we also struggle because we're a house divided. In Matthew 12, 25, it says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided itself against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And, you know, reading this whole passage of blessings for obedience, I read that and I think of people in my life who are struggling because they're not seeing those blessings in their life. I think of friends who have been trying to have a baby for years and can't. And they're like, they could read this passage and think, man... Am I disobedient to God? Am I living in a curse or am I living in a blessing right now? And you think of all these different things of like tracking the blessing, all this kind of stuff. You think this is really hard stuff. And it's very easy for us to get too pragmatic with these kind of things and be like, well, if I only live in blessing, I'll live in blessing. And if I only live in curse, I'll live in curses. But also there's a dynamic here. When Jesus says a house divided, I have this idea, right? This is just an idea. And so of all the things I'm saying today, this is probably more of the least processed, processed thought that I'm having. It doesn't define what division is there. But in my mind, God is perfect. And God is love. And his blessings are abundant. 
if there's anything in our life that doesn't measure up to that, is it possible that there's even the smallest bit of disobedience in our heart towards him, that therefore there's some challenge going on? And in that challenge, it can feel like the whole house is shaking when it could simply be a single little splinter in a single little brick in our lives. And this is where inner healing is so important. Because if we capture, it says the little foxes in the Bible. If we catch the little foxes as they try to take root in our lives, then actually what feels like is a major crisis wobble in our life will actually understand is easily nipped in the bud. And it's not that we're even choosing disobedience in a moment, but sometimes it's very easy as we react to things. Me and Ashley were... We have Connect Point, which, um, so we have Connect Point Plus and Connect Point. So Connect Point Plus is an online Ignite group for anybody who calls us home as a church, but may not be geographically local to the church here. And so we've got people in Hereford, people in Leamington Spa, people in Dorset, all over the place who call us a home church, and they're part of this amazing online community. And so they meet every single week online. But once a fortnight, me and Ashley jump on, and we do a teaching slot for an hour, which we open up to anyone. So you're all very welcome to join Connect Point. You can do it very easily through the website on the homepage sign up if you want some more teaching and it's half an hour teaching half an hour small groups just chatting through some stuff and we were getting ready to teach on on Wednesday night and we always follow the preach that was previous and so last week Falake preached amazingly on bitterness and something had happened in the week building up to that moment that had really shaken me and Ashley it was really feeling like our house was shaking that we're really struggling and we're like, man, have we, have we just stepped massively out of life into death here? Because we feel shaken to our core. And, and we're there and we're really wrestling with it. And you know when you're trying to think about things, you're trying to approach God and you're trying to understand stuff and you've got this huge, massive filter going on where you're like even questioning him. And I had what I call a weepiphany where often God speaks to me when I go to the toilet. And I think it's probably because I stop paying attention to me and... And he starts to talk. Um, so I had a wee epiphany. And he said to me, Dan, here's what you're going to do tonight. He's like, you're going to do a real-time, live, walk-through forgiveness and bitterness and ministry into that. I was like, oh, that feels vulnerable. And he's like, yeah, but you can't teach on it if you're not going to live it. And if you're going to live it, then maybe living it as you teach it is going to be the thing that's going to say, give someone permission to do it themselves. I was like, oh. Come on, okay, so I sat down with them all, and I was like, okay, guys, it's on Zoom. And we were like, look, we're going to do something different tonight. And I'm not going to do this so you think, wow, Dan's an amazing leader. Look how vulnerable he is. That's prideful and arrogant, and it's nonsense. It's not true. I'm really broken right now, and the only thing I can afford to do with my brokenness is push into Jesus. But I want you guys to see it so you know how to do it for yourselves. And so we were very careful. We're like, when it came to I choose to forgive bit, we didn't over the microphone tell them the names of every person who'd hurt us and all that kind of stuff or tell them the stories. We, I hit mute. I was like, look, everyone, we're going to do this together. But we were like, look, is it better for us to teach on bitterness and unforgiveness or is it better for us to show them that God can do that? And so we're there in this moment and we're, we're dealing with it and we're doing it and we're, we're going through it and we're giving forgiveness off and we're shaking it all off and everyone's starting to get really into it on the Zoom call and everyone's getting breakthrough and it's really cool. And then something shifted in my life. Suddenly my house stopped shaking. Suddenly the little things were trying to come in and shake the foundations and my perspective stopped shaking. My Thursday looked very, very different to my Wednesday. My, my atmosphere shifted. Why? I didn't do anything. I gave it to God because he fights my battles for me. 
And so I don't want you to feel convicted right now and feel like I'm saying because you're disobedience, God's cursing you. That's not what I'm saying, and please don't hear that. What I'm saying is this. Ransack your life. When you see something that looks like curses, ask the question, God, what do I need to deal with right now? In Exodus 20, 12, and you'll have heard me say this a lot of times before, it says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. If you need one verse in your life as a kind of tracker for your life, it's this. I always reverse engineer this. If something's not going well for me in my life, question one, am I in a land that I've given myself or am I in a land that God is giving me? Change a bit. Am I in my will or his will? Because if my life's not going well, if I'm in my will, it's easy. I repent, God. I hand it over to you. I'm stepping into your will. Often, my will is when I choose to fight the battles rather than letting him do it for me. And then the other thing is, am I living in honor? Honor your mother and father. You could change that to being, am I honoring people in authority over my life? Am I honoring God? That's a big one. My choices, my actions, my attitude, the way I think, the way I look at stuff, the way I approach life. Am I honoring God? Am I honoring my earthly mother and father? Am I honoring my leaders? Am I honoring my boss? Am I honoring my pastors? Am I honoring my colleagues? Am I living in honor? And am I in my will or God's will? And if you can go through that process, man, will that be a, such a helpful tool for you to understand how to then deal with those things in your life? I've had people say to me before, how do I know if I need inner healing or not? <laughs> well, exactly. Number one, ask someone who sees you all the time, am I a picture of Jesus yet? <laughs> That's a dangerous one. Or say, God, is my life perfect? No. Okay, like David prayed, shine a light in my heart so I can have revealed to me every wicked way within me. Why? So that I can have no disobedience in my life and total obedience, because in that place, there's total blessing. So that I can, I can live long in the land the Lord my God is giving me. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be without challenge. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult. Psalm 23 says that he will prepare a feast table for you. We all love that bit. Yay, feast table extravagant blessing in the presence of your enemies Ooh. can I not just like invite my best friends and have my little, my little clique around the blessing And we're really good at that as Christians by the way, we're really good at building our own little clubs we're like, it's cool if I could just get through the week I'll get to church where I'll have all my other people around me who I can tell them how difficult this person's been and they'll all agree with me because we all love coming together in our frustration and our pain and then we build theologies around it and Hooray! No, he prefers a feast table for you in the presence of your enemies. But for me, I love this because the picture of a feast is something that is, it is extravagant. It is joy-filled. It is a time of celebration. So what do you think that means? Could it be that God is capable of changing your enemies to being the ones you celebrate with? removing the offense in your heart so that your blessings don't just bless you and your household, but you will lend to many nations and borrow from none. I want to lend to many nations. I want to start off by simply lending love to those who do not love me back. Wow. That would be amazing. How disarming to the devil and to his schemes and his ways. 
in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to land on this. I believe in choosing life. What does that look like? Holding fast to the Lord your God. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he will take you to the Father. And so choosing life. I was actually, I was hunting all last night and this morning, even when something's brewing to look in my toolbox that's there, just in case it was there, for my old WWJD bracelet I used to wear when I was 17 and just got saved. And, um, and actually, I was just thinking, actually, that's, that's, that's choosing life right there. That, that moment of just in all things, in everything in life, you know, walking down the street and Paul doesn't say hi to me, he just glares at me with a frown and walks past. What would Jesus do? I think sometimes what we like to think is, well, Jesus turned over tables. Jesus made and he went and made a whip. I'm going to turn over the tables in Paul's life and I'm going to whip him into understanding that he hurt me. So next time I see him, I'm going to go up to him and say, Paul, I forgive you for the way you were mean to me, you mean person. That's not forgiveness. That is called heaping coals upon someone's head. No. We, we, we love to decide, like put ourselves in the position. Look, let me just say this. We are not God. We may be Christians, which was an, A, initially used as a kind of like a, a nickname, as a term of abuse against Christians, which means little Christ, little anointed one. Like that was first coined as a, ha you stupid Christians kind of thing. We've owned it, which is great. But we are little anointed ones. We are mini Christs. We are not God. And let me tell you something. God is judge. Not me, not you. And I think sometimes, as Christians, we can become a little bit too judgmental. Whereas actually we're called to be like Christ. What does that mean? To extravagantly forgive. What's the most highest expression of Christ-likeness? To entirely die to self so that somebody else can be free. That's the most perfect view of being Christ-like. And I think sometimes we forget that. And, and I, you know, I think sometimes, and we're going to jump into some ministry right now in a second, but I want to land with this. I think sometimes, especially in a day and age where the Christian voice is becoming politicalized, where the Christian message is becoming incredibly vague and incredibly wide, I think sometimes in the name of truth, we step into positions that we should not. And, and so I think too often, Christians are tearing each other down. I think too often Christians are being judgmental of each other. I think too often Christians are being harsh towards each other. And whereas what we should be doing is following Jesus. And where we've tried to tear down, we should lift up. Where we've been judgmental, we should be full of grace and mercy. And where we've been harsh to people, we should be meek. And the word meek means power under control. We have an extravagant amount of power in our lives and authority in our lives. Let's never use that to hurt. Let's never use that to pull down. Let's use that to stand and see him win the battle for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray. Come on, stand up. Join me. Let's wake up a little bit. Shake yourself off a bit. Who wants to be living in blessing? Come on, okay, a few of you. Who wants to be living in blessing? Come on. Come on, it's so true. The, here's the deal. Baby steps, guys. Too often, we all do these crazy big prayers, 
being like, God, I give you my whole heart. Use me in any way you want to. And then we get to the next meal and we start to forget. We wake up the next day and see a message from some, like our manager saying, you better be in work on time today. And we go, ooh, ooh, I'm getting ready for some five. No. And, you know, we have these challenges that are opportunities to derail us and move us from blessing to curses, life and death. We need to choose life. And that's what I want you to grab hold of on the most basic level today. Choose life. And who is life? Jesus. And how does Jesus act? Extravagantly loving. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be extravagantly loving. But let me tell you something. Agreeing with someone and loving someone are two very different things. But why don't you just, just fix your eyes on Jesus right now. I'm going to get some piano playing because the Holy Spirit doesn't move without nice piano playing. I joke, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Choose life, everybody. <laughs> exactly, it's the Holy Spirit pads. But why don't you just fix your eyes on Jesus? Because it says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Just let him come. The kids might start coming in. That's all right. When you get distracted, choose life. But if you're not sure what it looks like to fix your eyes on Jesus, then for me, that looks like closing my eyes and trying to settle my heart for that moment and just just almost imagining him in my heart. Ed Purek, who's a Christian mystic, he, he says this prayer. He just repeats after himself multiple times just says Jesus Christ beautiful son of God my beloved would you come and capture my attention Jesus Christ beautiful son of God my beloved would you come and capture my attention Jesus Christ beautiful son of God my beloved would you come and capture my attention and he just repeats it and repeats it and repeats it until his attention is fixed on Jesus and I'm going to speak a blessing over you guys this morning. But what I don't want to do is do a prayer ministry time in substitution for what is happening right now, which is Jesus, the life giver, the bringer of life, the solution to choosing between life and death, blessings and curses. He will guide you. He will steer you. He will help capture your tongue. And then he will change your heart so those words never come into your head anyway. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless you all to be captured by the gaze of Jesus. To have tattooed into your mind and into your heart irreversibly the mindset that says, Jesus, would you guide my steps? Jesus, would you guide my thoughts? Jesus, would you guide my mouth? Jesus, would you guide my reactions? I bless you to stop fighting and observe him winning the battle. I bless you to choose life. I bless you to step into full, total obedience of him. I bless you to have your barns filled up. I bless you to live in blessings. In fact, I'm going to just read that verse over you right now. I bless you to be set high above all the nations of the earth. 
I bless you to obey the Lord your God. I bless you to be blessed in the city and in the country, that the fruit of your womb would be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks would be blessed that your work and your efforts would be blessed, that you would be blessed in your coming in and you'd be blessed in your going out, that your sleeping and waking would be blessed, that your resting and your exercise would be blessed. God, would you grant that the enemies who rise up against us would be defeated by you, that our eyes would see the victory of the Lord, that when people come, we'd see them flee in seven directions out of fear of who you are upon us. Lord, would you bless their barns and everything they put their hands to, God? Would you bring blessing in the land that you were giving us? Would you establish us as a holy people? And would you, as we keep your commands and walk in obedience with you, would you display your glory upon us? And God, we trust you to bring your reign in season. Not when we define it, but God, when we don't see the rain, would you give us the grace to wait? And so I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you to have your eyes captured upon him. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on. Well, look, yeah, come on. Why don't we just give God some glory? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we can find blessing in you.